You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. Today we're talking all about London, the home of Monty. Hello there and welcome to English with Monty. We're moving on to episode 21 now. I have the mighty Gideon back with me after a very short break. How are you doing, Gideon? Hello, John. Glad you to be good. back. Well, pleasure as always. How are things with you in Paris? Yeah, I'm back in Paris after a few months in the Canary Islands. I'm actually back in Paris. Quite strange being here. All the cafes and restaurants are closed. Nowhere to go. So just wandering around the streets as usual. Aimlessly. Staring at people, talking to myself. Yeah, nothing changes there then. <laughs> no. Today, potentially, I'm going to make you feel a little bit nostalgic. Yeah. Long for pint in a pub. Oh. As of today in London, we're able to have a pint outside. Apparently, all the pubs are booked up for the next four weeks. So, wow. <laughs> well, not, not that long, but certainly for the next week. Today, we're going to do the show about London. Excellent. Gideon is a Londoner. You were born and grew up in London. I did indeed. Still so you, my favorite city in the world. I do love Paris. I live in Paris, but it's London still my city. Still your city, be. yeah. And I was born in London, but grew up in the Midlands. I moved when I was about two years old, but I would say I'm a bit of an adopted Londoner. I have lived here since 2011, so the last 10 years for a brief time before that I would say i'm a bit of an adopted yeah, yeah. londoner of course you are course yeah you're, you're london oh thank you very thank much you very i appreciate your, it. your passport's in the post thank you <laughs> i thought we'd talk about a few different things to highlight the things that are very lovely about london maybe talk about other things that are not so great but just to give people an insight of what london's like and yeah especially if they've never visited London before or if they have visited and maybe would like to come again, we, you know, we can give them a few pointers about things. Yeah, indeed. I thought I'd start off with the idea of some really lovely things about London. So one thing that I really like about London is the fact that you can go to the likes of the National Gallery and the British Museum and it's free. It is free. People complain that London is an expensive place, but there's so many things that you can do for free. Parks are free. You might talk about that later. And, and the galleries, the museums, most of the big collections are free, aren't they? They are, kind yeah. Thing. I think that's great, isn't it? Because I think it really encourages people to go along and sample a bit of culture. I think it's particularly wonderful. Well, I used to work near the British Museum, and a wonderful thing is that I could go out at lunchtime and just pop in for 10 minutes just see one thing and this come out again and if you're going to pay 15 pounds you wouldn't do that it's great yeah opens up culture to everybody i guess that's why you're so cultured is that right <laughs> can i bring up a couple of points though which i find interesting is that i think one of the reasons the british museum is free is because a lot of the stuff how should i put it was stolen <laughs> the elgin marbles which some would say many would say should be in athens they uh, are in the british museum they're not sending them back maybe they should but they're not at the moment 
kind of reached a compromise. Well, okay, we're not going to charge you to see the art that we've stolen from you. If we stole it from you, you have to pay to see it. So, which is the case in the Louvre, you know, a lot of stolen stuff in France as well. You have to pay to see your art that they stole from you, your uh, artifacts. It seems like a step too far, doesn't it? Yeah, so I think that's kind of where they're coming from to some extent. Okay, so it's open to everybody. We're not going to charge you. It's all free. It is a wonderful thing, though, regardless of politics of it. It is lovely, isn't it? And I suppose you've got things like the Tate Modern. Tate Britain, yeah. Yeah, and Tate Britain. And obviously, they didn't really steal anything from those, did they? So if you want to see... No, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Modern art. The Tate Modern is very interesting in terms of its building, isn't it? I think it used to be a power station, did it? Yeah, yeah architecturally it's impressive isn't it because i think it's an art deco time on the south side of the river i think that's a lovely little place there are very nice views aren't they from tate modern there's a little cafe balcony area and you have a lovely view of the millennium bridge would it be and then st paul's in the background what wonderful wonderful there's the national gallery national portrait gallery tate britain and then there are others like smaller galleries, which are free as well, like the Wallace Collection. Mm. It's great. You could really spend a lot of time in London enjoying the free museums and free art galleries. There's so much going on, isn't there? Can I just say one, one thing, which is strange? In Paris, the churches or the cathedrals are free, but you have to pay for the museums, the Louvre, you have to pay, mm. etc. But in Britain or in London, certainly, it's the reverse. If you go to St. Paul's Cathedral, it costs like 20 pounds, or Westminster Abbey, you pay, I think that was a ballpark figure, about 20 pounds just to enter Westminster Abbey. It's strange, isn't it? It is a curious one, isn't it? I mean, somebody actually said to me that with Westminster Abbey, you can get in for free if you go to one of the masses. Is that right? Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. I guess you can, right? I've never been to a mass. I don't know. It's not, not your bag. Not, they're not my people. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Neither have I, but I thought that was quite an interesting one. Okay. Well, you can, yeah. but, you can, but you can't wander around, I guess. If you're in a mass, you can't just like <laughs> but you can out into the... That's true. But you can marvel at the building, photos. can't you? I guess so. Do Protestants hold mass? It's a Protestant church. Good point. They have mass, do they? They have I a service, know. surely. It's not my expertise. But you're probably right. I'm showing my ignorance of religion there. I'm sorry, everybody. You've you been touched, cancelled, John. I have been cancelled. <laughs> so we touched upon parks, didn't we? And I think parks are always something that students remark upon when they come to London. The parks, let's be honest, are pretty good in London, aren't they? They're the best. For me, Paris, again, I love Paris, but you feel kind of claustrophobic because there's a lot of concrete. They do have a few parks, of course and a few nice parks, but it's not the same. It's really not the same. In London, you're never more than five minutes walk from a big open space, a big green space. And I never get claustrophobic in London. I always feel, don't feel like I've got to get out of the city. No, because you can, within the city, you can escape. They're so beautiful. Maybe not unique to London, but something special about London that many big cities don't have that advantage. And you have some really wild parks, don't you? I mean, Richmond Park is pretty wild isn't it you get deer that are wandering around richmond yeah. park which is very impressive people love to find the deer and a lovely thing and, and then, hampstead heath yeah very much so and hampstead heath i think we should mention hampstead heath because there's a wonderful view of the city of london from parliament hill 
indeed also you can wander around Hampstead Heath or I have done and you look all the way to the horizon and you don't see any buildings not from mm. Parliament Hill you can see the buildings but from other parts so you really you feel like you're in the countryside it's extraordinary and you're only three miles from the centre of London also as well I would say for New Year's Eve that's a good location to go for the fireworks obviously at normal times because if you actually put yourself in the right kind of position on Hampstead Heath you can see fireworks going off in the center of london i'll remember that next time honestly it's a good tip i'll have to tell you where to stand because there is a building that actually sits right in front of where the fireworks go off but if you go a bit further down in a certain area then you get a very good view of the fireworks yeah i've seen uh fireworks from kenwood house kenwood house in oh right yeah Yeah. which is really beautiful what about cockney I suppose what we should it? mention what, what about, about it. it? <laughs> I suppose what we should mention know? that. You're probably a bit more of an expert than I am. First of all, what is Cockney? How is it used? And why is it relevant to people if they come to London? I should refer to your listeners to my excellent and brilliant video made on the history of Cockney. Oh, did you? You can check that on our channel, Let Them Talk TV. Yes, I did. Oh, excellent. It's a bit controversial because what people think is Cockney is not necessarily Cockney because what is it? Is it a location or is it an accent? And people say, oh, you have to be born within the sound of Bow Bells. Bow Bells is the church in the city of London, not in East End, the city of London. Mm. And they say you have to be born within that, but not really true because that was said in the 15th century there's a quote from the 15th century saying those who were born within the bow bells are to be called cockneys but at that time there's no traffic and you could hear the bow bells all the way up to archway and all the way east to some extent west as well so it covered a large part of london Mm. but now the bow bells when they ring they're going to go one or two kilometers so it doesn't hold up that definition especially since the bells didn't even ring there's no maternity hospital within the sound of bow bells now that means there's no cockneys no it's not true cockneys is traditionally from the east east end of london i would say but you hear cockneys if you're talking about an accent particular way of speaking traditionally it's from the east end but you hear it, it goes way beyond even outside london they call it different things i call it estuary english but basically it's the london accent even in, in my neighborhood where I grew up, like Finchley, you hear a lot of Cockney there. Not myself, perhaps, but a lot of people spoke like that. So, yeah, it goes yeah. well beyond the East End. Your story about the Bow Bells, I can't Adam and Eve it. Really enlightening. <laughs> Do you want to know about the sound of Cockney and the Cockney rhyming slang? We also have a video about that one as well. You know? Wow. I could define it briefly. Go ahead. There's, three, yeah. there's kind of like three parts to it. There's the accent, so it's a bit like that. If I do a bit of cockney, so like that's nice, isn't it? Lots of guttural stops. You don't say the T, you go, uh, you know, that's a guttural stop. So instead of but, you go but. Sometimes the THs becomes F. People tell me to say mumph all the time. I don't have a very strong London accent, but you know, you say mumph and but. So there are a few indications, and in the I becomes oi. Could do nice, very nice, my son. That's one part of it. And then you have some expressions, Cockney expressions. I'll leave it at. Please, please stop that. No, you don't say please stop that. You say leave it at. <laughs> Instead of saying my friend, you say mate. Are you okay, my friend? Right, mate. That's the second one. Then the third part is the Cockney rhyming slang. You know how that works, John? I do, yeah. So the phrase that I used, Adam and Eve, actually means believe. Yeah. Be- because you're creating 
a rhyme on the second word, aren't you? Adam and Eve believe. Yeah, exactly. So you have two parts of it. You have a phrase that goes together. And then the word that you want rhymes with the second word. I'll give you an example in a second. The phrase itself has nothing to do with what you're talking about. So for example, if I say, John, where's my dog? What dog? Your dog and bone? Yeah. Phone. Exactly. Yes. Dog has, of course, dog has nothing to do with phones. But if you take the phrase dog and bone, bone, uh, there's a rhyme with bone. And the closest rhyme is phone. You don't say the second word. You just say the first word. Where's my dog? Where's my dog and bone? Where's my phone? Yeah. And you've got a nice Barnet. Yes, because Barnet Fair, there used to be a fair up at Barnet. And Barnet Fair means, what do you think it means, listeners? I went to the barber and now I've got a nice new Barnet. Barnet Fair hair. Ooh. Yeah. It's a nice one, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not like that, isn't it? They used like jokingly uh, as well. A few are sort of in everyday conversation would use. Sometimes we use it for humorous effect. I think an everyday one would be something like a butcher's. I think everyone, even not from London, people would say that you can have a butcher's, which means? To have a butcher's, to have a look. Yeah. So it comes from? I don't know, actually. Butcher's hook. Ah. Look. I didn't know that. And another one, which is in common parlance, use your loaf. So what does that mean? Use your brain. Yes. Where does it come from then? Loaf. See if you can work it out. Oh, I don't know, actually. That's, loaf yeah. of bread. Head. Ah, yeah, of course. Have you heard about the Cockney <laughs> cash machine? <laughs> no, tell me more. There is a cash machine in East London, where you can yeah. choose either language, English or Cockney. All right. That's where you get your sausage and mash from. Exactly. You get your sausage <laughs> and mash, which means the cash. You can have your sausage and mash with no receipt, a sausage and mash with receipt, if you like. I don't know how to say receipt in Cockney, though. I don't think it exists, <laughs> does it? But, or you can change your Huckleberry Finn. Um, pin number. Pin. Exactly. There we go. Huckleberry okay. Finn is pin. Uh, okay. You can see your balance on the Charlie Sheen. The screen. There you go. Brilliant. And it actually says to you, do you want some moolah for your Skyrocket? Moolah is money. Yeah. I don't know what the rhyming slang is, but I think that's just an expression, isn't it? And Skyrocket think... is your pocket. Yeah. And your rattle and tank balance. <laughs> they made that up. Your bank. Your yes. bank balance. Rattle and tank. <laughs> this assumes then, if they have this option... In East London, in the cash point machine, it assumes that there are people who are monolingual in Cockney. They don't understand English. All right, I have to go to that cash machine because I don't understand English, but it's when I do it in Cockney. It's a very narrow uh, demographic. I think it's quite nice, though. <laughs> At Monty, we offer English classes online, so you can join wherever you are. We offer individual lessons or English exam preparation. For first-timers in a group class, it's only £2. Visit our website at montyenglish.co.uk to buy this ticket or book any other package now. Any other wonderful things that you can recommend about London? I could be here all day, John, probably, and waxing lyrical about my city. I could say, I just like to compare to other cities. Because mm -hmm. they say like Paris is like an onion going inside of these arrondissements. In London is like, do we say, a bunch of grapes. 
because in most cities you have like the center you go to the center and you do everything center london does too but if you really want to discover london it's a city of villages when you agree yeah and many people visit london they go to the center let's go to the center and yeah, yeah, let's do all the things but really to enjoy london You've got to escape the centre. You've got to go to, as you said, Richmond and Hampstead and Putney and all these different areas, which each have their own charm. And they used to be villages. They used to be different villages. And I mean, the eaten up by, by London. That's what you should do. Yeah. By yeah. all means, go to the centre. I think as a tourist, you do need to visit places like Richmond, certainly, because it feels as if you're in the countryside, doesn't it? And it's a, a much more pleasant way of walking by the thames it's much more yeah. countrified parks and fields next to the thames which obviously you don't get in the center as much i mean i think that's a nice thing very much so i think so and also london is big what i love in london you will never ever run out of things to see paris is very lots of things to see here if you spend a month in paris you've done most of the stuff inside but in london no no, much bigger. Remember, like for 150 years, London was the biggest city in the world. That was from, I don't know, the middle of the 18th century to the early 20th century. The old bits are big. It goes out. It's huge. And it's green. So much to see in terms of architecture, the, uh, the parks. Yeah, never, ever get tired of it. One of the elements that people, when they come to London, say to me is that for a lot of people, it's too big. Or that's their initial impression. And I would say, yes, I, I can understand that. But at the same time, I think you get used to it after a number of months, don't you? It may, it may take some time. I mean, I guess it depends where you're used to living. I mean, I guess if you grew up in a small town and lived in a small town for most of your life, then I think London is more difficult to get used to. But over time, it's quite easy to get used to that idea, isn't it? I think I'm going to disagree with you here, John. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> a little bit, because... One of the negatives, there are many, because as I said, London is still my favorite city. But one mm. of the negatives of, of London, again, I've lived in a few cities. I've lived in Paris and Madrid. I've lived in, and if you want to meet your, your friends in these cities, you go to the center, you meet them and whatever, and they're smaller. But in, in London, you end up arranging a social life. It's kind of difficult because, yeah, people meet in the center, but we're going for a picnic in Richmond today and you live up in Finchley, just for example. It takes forever. It takes an hour and a half. And just to cross the city, you can spend more than an hour just crossing the city. And I've done it many times and there and back. And journeys are long. I said, you're not always in the center. You're, you're traveling out to different places. I think that's one of the downsides is do spend a lot of time on public transport. It's very true, isn't it? And I suppose, I don't know about yourself, but I've always got used to the idea of using my transport time to read a book or listen to a podcast. You know, I, <laughs> no, it's I, true. I often listen to Zeitgeist Banana <laughs> podcast on the tube. You're a man of impeccable taste. Uh, I know. Do you agree? Because getting into the centre of London is fairly easy. But if you're yeah. going from west to east, if you're going from, I don't know, Wilsdon to Wood Green or somewhere, or west to east or east to west, it's a headache. You need a car or a taxi or an Uber. Um, yeah, I would say yes and no. I, I think there's little pockets of London that are quite difficult to get to, aren't they, depending on where you are. But I think it's quite curious. For example, I live in Wilson Green, which is northwest London, and it's on the Jubilee Line, which is very well connected to the east. You can take one line all the way out to Stratford, and it's not going to take you a huge amount of time. It's going to take you about 50 minutes. 
And then also curiously as well, it's quite quick for me to get to Richmond, which is southwest. Okay. Because you're on the overground. How do you get to Barnet? I don't want to go to Barnet. Who wants to go to Barnet? <laughs> okay. To be honest, getting to Barnet wouldn't be too bad for me. I'd have to catch a bus, but it would probably take... More than one? Possibly, yes. It does become a little bit complicated depending on where you're going. But a good friend of mine who lived in London for a long time said to me that when you choose to live in London, you should choose to live on the diagonal tube lines or near the diagonal tube lines. I think that's a very good tip. When he says that, it's obviously the ones that go diagonally through the centre of London. Jubilee line is one of those. And I guess the Victoria line would be another one of those. But what about South London? Not much underground in South London. I guess his tip was don't live in South London. (laughs) (laughs) Don't live south of the river. (laughs) Well, I guess there's Brixton, right? I mean, Brixton's becoming very popular. Zone one, zone one though. Well, sure, but it, it is on a diagonal line. It is on the end of the Victoria line. If you want to go from your place to Dulwich. That is, it's not too bad though. I agree. I mean, I would typically say in London, if you're traveling more than an hour, it's a bit far, but anything less than an hour is seen as relatively good, isn't it? Yeah. In most cities, I think 20 minutes, Paris is relatively in the center. I can get almost anywhere in 20 minutes, but I wouldn't say that in London. And it, it sort of dragged me down a bit when I was working in London. I would work, I would commute, and then if I went out, I'd have to go to a completely different place and go back again. Maybe you're used to it, though. You do it all the time, but you get used to it. I agree that it is an issue. You do get a bit tired of it after a while, and, and sometimes you don't want to do that. I honestly just believe it depends how you use your journey time. If I'm okay. listening to your podcast, then a 50-minute journey yeah, seems like 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah, except when you're on it. That's true. (laughs) And it seems like hours. I have to be selective with the episodes I listen to. It's always perfect when you're there, John. You know that. Thank you. I wanted to mention one last thing that I really like about London, but then I'm going to spring a surprise on you. Oh my God. Okay. The one last thing I really like about London is the mix of architecture. And I think normally, I think in most cases, when they've restored old buildings and made them more modern and have a more modern twist probably st pancras station is a good example of this with the hotel at the front yeah where they've done a really very good job of restoring old buildings but with a modern twist i think that's nice isn't it and i guess battersea power station is quite an iconic building and that's almost finished now it's not too far away from being finished i haven't been there for a few years i went there for a nice bike ride with a couple of friends and we visited there the other weekend and it's looking impressive i must go looking interesting after the plague you're right about st pancras it's wonderful it's so beautiful st pancras station the outside and the inside as well i do recommend if you're in london just go to st pancras because people tend to avoid stations but there are a few in the world which is just wow i think grand central station new york i remember that one that's wonderful and St. Pancras, extraordinary. It's very much Victorian architecture, I guess, isn't it? And it's a neo-Gothic architecture. Mm. Actually, personally, for, from an architecture point of view, I think like King's Cross, it's, it's much simpler architecture, but actually it's really beautiful. And also what they've done in King's Cross inside as well. Well, you get in St. Pancras. So I do like the outside. It's extraordinary outside. I, I like them both. You see the contrast because they're next to each other. So they can see the contrast of St. Pancras and Euston Station. But the inside of St. Pancras is really extraordinary. You have this glass 
arch with iron frame. I love it every time I come from Paris from the Eurostar. And then also there's the area that has been developed behind King's Cross, which historically would have been a dodgy area, wouldn't it? Kind of yeah. with prostitutes and yeah. rave parties and crazy stuff like that. That's all been developed. A lot of the old buildings there used to be, you've got Granary Square, presumably that used to have flour in it and things like that, did it? Something like that. But anyway, it was all connected with, yeah, Yeah. grain, sorry. And it was all connected with the idea of transporting things from the stations, wasn't it, historically? Mm -hmm. And they've redeveloped that area very nicely. And I think if you are coming to London, if say, for example, you're coming on Eurostar from Paris, I think even if you did a day trip, sometimes you can get a nice cheap ticket, come for a day. You could just spend the day around King's Cross and probably have a really lovely time. It's really interesting. As you said, when I was younger, even maybe it was 20 years ago, that area, as you say, was drugs, prostitution. You just wouldn't go. You want to hang out in King's Cross? Are you mad? What's wrong with you? Well, unless you want something special. It's just totally transformed. And it's the headquarters of Google, I think, in the UK. And it's just become really interesting part of town. It's near the canal. So you have this mix of modern architecture and old architecture. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mm. never would have thought a few years ago, let's go to King's Cross. Like, are you, are you, what's wrong with you? Are you mad? That's also something that's really lovely about London, isn't it? It's a very dynamic city. It's always changing. Not everything's <laughs> wonderful. I mean, I suppose it depends on your taste, really. But when I went around the Battersea power station area, I did notice that a lot of the buildings quite high rise, seemed a little bit like Singapore in places, which I think from my point of view, I didn't really enjoy that. It seemed a bit anonymous. Yeah, um, there's a lot of, sort of post-war architecture, which is less interesting, shall we say. But even then, they got rid of a lot of them, like Paternoster Square next to St. Paul's mm-hmm. in the 80s. That was quite a dire tower block there. Okay. But now, again, it's a nice place to roam around. They're always very focused on making nice public spaces, aren't they? Which I think is another feature. I mean, at the moment, they're building the new sewer system in London with the view to making, yeah, with the view to making the Thames clean. I think it opens 2023 in a couple of years' time. What's happening now then? (laughs) What's happening to all the sewer? It is acute. Well, quite a lot of sewage does go into the river. Typically, when it's overflowing it's never going to swim at embankments anymore did you before but i would never recommend swimming in the <laughs> thames river but hopefully in a couple of years it's yeah. going to be cleaned up and look much nicer than it does now what they're doing is different sections where they've drilled down to make the big tunnel is they're creating new public spaces where they've done that on the side of yeah. the river areas mostly connected to the river which i think is really nice and i think will be really nice when they're open yeah. Yeah. i just say one thing a mm. childhood memory gone because you know that the thames is a tidal river mm. and it has beaches <laughs> it's strange it does it does have beaches doesn't it, it does, and yeah. when i go down there and you can always find because it's so old you can always find interesting things on the beach and i think a lot of like metal detect people went down with metal detectors i also went down in fact i've still got i think somewhere some old clay pipes and like a, a key from i don't know a few hundred years old this like big chunky key that i just found as i'm wandering around the beach just getting washed up on the sand i remember that yeah a few you, old coins and not a place for sunbathing is it 
Well, the view is beautiful, but maybe not so clean. Well, hopefully in the future that'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. and you told me about all the, the sewage going in there. That's another good reason to look at the Thames more upriver in Richmond, really, because then the river is so much cleaner. What I'm going to do now, I think this is going to be a bumper episode. It's going to be quite a long episode, but I think that's fine. Monty is based in London. We need to tell the listeners about what's going on in London. So I'm going to test you with a few questions, Gideon. Oh. So you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Name the home counties bordering London. Okay. Does it include Middlesex? It doesn't, no. It includes six. That will help you. I would say... Essex. Yeah. Surrey. Yeah. Sussex. Oh, no. Not Sussex. Not Sussex. Hampshire. No, 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 no. Hampshire. Sorry. Hertfordshire. <laughs> I meant to say Hertfordshire. Sorry. Okay. Hertfordshire. Yes. Hertfordshire. Going west. Berkshire. Yes. How much have I got? You got four, haven't you? You should get the one that's southeast. Kent. Of Kent. Kent. Good. And one that sounds similar to the palace. Buckinghamshire. There you go. That was less than impressive, but not too bad. <laughs> Got there in the end. Got there in the end. Which country donates the Trafalgar Square Christmas tree each year as a thanks for British efforts in the Second World War? I think it's Norway. That is correct. The giant Christmas tree in Trafalgar Square is from Norway. They have a lot of pine trees up in... They do. It's a Norway. nice present. Yeah. It's a lovely tree. Yeah. As we were talking about Cockneys... We're going to talk about the Cray twins. So can you name the two famous Cray twins? Oh, Ronnie Cray? Yeah. And can't remember the other. Reginald, so Reggie, Reg, Ronnie and okay, Reggie. Reggie and Ronnie, okay, yeah. And why were the Cray twins famous? They were gangsters, but they also used to hang out with lots of celebrities, I think, at the time, in the 60s. They were sort of celebrity gangsters. They were, weren't they? Yeah. Not yeah. very nice people. I think. No. I think there's a good film about it, isn't there? I mean, which is worth watching. Probably just called The Craze or something like that. But it is a good film. Oh, I haven't seen the film. I know there's a pub in East London, The Beggar's Banquet, mm. where I think one of their murders took place. And you can go to the pub, can't you? I think it's still there. Hopefully not get murdered. <laughs> Let's <laughs> hope sit not. outside, though, these days. Yes, indeed. In which London park will you find a private pet cemetery oh i do not know regent's park no it's hyde park apparently is that right okay. yeah i didn't know that i think this is an interesting one i think you should know this and i'll be shocked if you don't you've got big ben yeah and what is big ben exactly i do know the answer to this one big ben is the bell yes correct bell. it's not the tower is it what's the name of the tower I think it has two names. I think it's called the Tower of Westminster Ooh. or it's called the Elizabeth Tower or something like that. I mean, I've not heard the Tower of Westminster, but I've definitely heard the Elizabeth Tower. Yeah, don't think very much. People just say a Big Ben. This is very true, yes. It's not officially correct, is it? You know, any Londoner would call it Big Ben anyway, wouldn't they? It's very unusual for it to be called the Elizabeth Tower. Can I correct one other mistake about London people make? Yeah, sure. London Bridge. Ooh. It's not Tower Bridge. This is true, yeah. That one with the turrets that rises, that lets the boats through, that's Tower Bridge. The next question is, okay. following on from that, where is the original London Bridge? Ah, I know this one. It's in Arizona. 
Uh-huh. Can't the name of the town. Lake Havasu City. I've just looked that up. So you can see the original <clears throat> London Bridge that was transported to Lake Havasu. And I think it's quite curious, really, because London Bridge was not a particularly remarkable it's actually quite, bridge. The oh, one in London, London, is quite boring. It's, I think, from the 70s. It's quite a boring bridge. So I see London Bridge. There's nothing to see, really. Modern it, bridge. It was a curious one, wasn't it? <clears throat> I think this is a bit of a, a myth. They said that apparently the guy that bought London Bridge thought it was Tower Bridge. But I think that's a, I think I think that's that's a, myth. a myth. I think yeah. that's a myth. Can I just say a couple of things about London Bridge? Yeah. You say the original is in Arizona, but there are many originals. There's been many bridges on the site, of course. And if you see old paintings, you see they had like houses all along London Bridge was houses on top of the bridge. It would have been yeah. similar to what you'd find in Florence. Is that right? Yeah, I think even more so. I think there was you see some pictures. But why? What's the advantage of having a house on a bridge? So you could poo in the river? <laughs> yeah, I think that is one of the advantages, yes. Yeah. That was one of the reasons, wasn't it? Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. So check out uh, old paintings of London Bridge. It's well worth looking at, yes. Which London Underground station is named after a football team? Arsenal. Correct. Which sport is played at Lords? Cricket. Uh-huh. Very good. And which is the only train station with entrances on both sides of the River Thames? Oh, no, it's not Waterloo. It can't be Waterloo. There's only one side of Waterloo. I thought you were a proper Londoner. Cannon Street. No, it's Blackfriars. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Good question. Because that's actually quite interesting, isn't it? Because it's like <laughs> a train station that's actually yeah. over the River Thames. When you terminate at Blackfriars, you terminate on the river, don't you? Is that quite, right? Okay. Quite curious. I'll you do now. That next time. Indeed. Oh. I seem to remember you did a bit of a tour, didn't you, of London? Many tours. Because there were some interesting pearls, weren't there, in that tour? I seem to remember the centre of London. Where was that? Oh, yeah, the centre of London. Officially, according to the maps, there's a statue of Charles II in Trafalgar Square. And behind that statue, there is a little plaque. And I believe that that was the centre of London, officially. You say London because, of course, London means different things because there was like, the city of London. That's the original London. It was the West End of London and then kind of taking them all together. It's a point between them. But wasn't that the point between the city of London and Westminster? Is that yeah, right? That's right. The... You're, you're, you're right. You do it better than me, yes. It's the exact middle point between those two. It's rather unremarkable, isn't it? It's not really seen as a tourist attraction. No. There are lots of things around Trafalgar Square, not just Trafalgar Square to see, actually on the square. It's got the smallest police station in the country. I think you can only put one person inside. And if you look near the benches, you've got the official measurements, I think of like a yard and an inch and all these imperial measurements that's you can check out if you've got the right length of things. Maybe I'll just give you one or two final questions. Go ahead. What was the monument built to commemorate? The Great Fire of London? Yeah. It's called Monument. It is called Monument, isn't it? It's called yeah. Monument, and it's 365 steps. It's mm-hmm. in the city of London. Mm-hmm. 
And if you go to the top, you get a certificate that you've walked all the way to the top. Wow. It's a good view. I don't think I've ever been up there. It used to be a fantastic view, but now there are many more skyscrapers. When I was a nipper, you can see everything. Now it's still an interesting view, but you see less because there are skyscrapers hinder the view. Okay. A few quick fire questions about the Great Fire of London. When was the Great Fire of London? It was 1666. Correct. Do you want to know where it started? Yeah, tell me that. Pudding Lane. Yeah, that's correct. Apparently, what they did is they were thinking of rebuilding. Obviously, a lot of London was destroyed, wasn't it? And you do see a lot of buildings that only date back to 1666 because of the yeah. Great Fire, yes. which is quite interesting. Also, the other interesting thing is, I don't know if you've heard about this, but apparently after it happened, they were talking about making London very similar to Paris in terms of its organization and rebuilding it, but they didn't. And do you know why they didn't? The whole thing, Paris was remodeled in the 19th century. Wouldn't that be a lot of time before? Oh, yeah, good point. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm making it up then. Maybe they weren't modeling it on Paris, but they were certainly wanting to make it with wide boulevards and make it similar Ah, to how Paris is today. But no, it didn't happen. Don't know why. Apparently it didn't happen because they took so long deciding what to do about it that everybody just built what was there before or, or whatever they wanted to build. So then they couldn't do their grand plan. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I could believe it, though. It is very interesting, interesting, isn't it? I've got a couple of facts about the Great Fire of London. Okay. I find interesting. How many people died? Six. Is it six? Not many people. I think fire (laughs) spread very slowly in those days. Because it was all wood to wood. It spread very slowly. So people had time to get out. And they were all low-rise blocks, low-rise buildings. One or two, maybe three floors, wandered out and left. So not many people died. Is six right? I don't know. That's what it says on my quiz. Could be. <laughs> so it could There's also one other thing. I don't know if it's in your quiz, but mm. it was witnessed by Samuel Pepys. If you don't know Samuel Pepys, he was a politician and a diarist at the time he wrote his diaries and he wrote about the Great Fire of London. It was coming towards him. He lived a couple of miles away near the Thames and he was worried about the fire. It was coming towards him. So he buried his most prized possession in his garden for safety. Do you know what it was? His wife? (laughs) Good answer. But no, Parmesan cheese. His wheel of Parmesan cheese. Wow. Is it still there? (laughs) I don't know. He feared that fire would consume his beloved Parmesan. Wow. Very expensive those days. Indeed. It shows that Parmesan is not a recent import then, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is also curious. I mean, I think we've covered quite a few things. The moral of the story is come and visit London because it's an amazing place. Try and visit it for at least a few days, I would recommend. Are you talking to me? No, (laughs) I was speaking to the listeners. But if you want to visit, I recommend you visit it as well, Gideon. I will. And if you're visiting London and you're studying English, study with John. Oh, thank you. Monty English, definitely. Thank you. That's very good. I've had students from, who've come over from Paris from my school. They've studied with you. Always been very, very happy, delighted, in fact. Excellent. Thank you very much for the promotion. And also, Mike, you want to promote your podcast? Yeah, two things briefly. Firstly, our podcast, Zeitgeist Banana, where you can hear more of the lovely John, if you haven't had enough of him. <laughs> and also 
our YouTube channel, Let Them Talk TV. If you want to improve your grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation, check it out on YouTube. And we have two videos about the Cockney as well. It's definitely worth looking at those, isn't it? I don't think I've seen that. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks for your wonderful insights into London, Gideon. It's a pleasure to have you back. You've been listening to English with Monty. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave me a donation online via our website. Monty is a small independent company and I do all the editing myself. I would suggest £2.50 to buy me a coffee or £5 for a beer. MontyEnglish.co.uk Then just click on the podcast button at the top. You can donate here. Thank you. I appreciate it.